You know, I was talking to a few of you this morning and I said, you know, it's cold outside, winter's coming. That's one thing someone had said. We've gone from the summer right into winter. Where's fall? You know, and, but uh, it's coming. God's still the creator of it all. So uh, we know that we come this morning to worship, to even come in here and to be warm up with one another. You know, and uh, so we're so excited that we're able to worship God together in this way. Again, I thank you for the opportunity of being able to share with you why what Ryan takes his uh, little sabbatical here. But as a body, I just I'm amazed again how much I see you reaching out, encouraging your pastoral staff and the love that you give, and the love you give to one another. Also, I have to pause here for a minute. I have to keep on looking up the uh, balcony here because my wife and some of my family and and some of my in-laws of my son-in-law, my daughter, are up here as well. And um, so I'm not always used to looking up in the balcony, but I know the Stracys are always in their famous spot right there, always, so I appreciate that. But uh, um, it's just, again, just... As I've said before the last couple of weeks, too, it, this always feels like home. It's a good place to be. It's a good place to come and just fellowship and to enjoy the time together with brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to continue our series in Ephesians. We've come to chapter 4. And in this passage, Paul is making sort of a little shift here from what he's been doing in the letter. For the first three chapters, he's been talking about doctrine and things that we must believe, things we must follow, understanding what Christ has done for us. And now Paul wants to shift a little bit and says, because of what Christ has done for us, these are some of the responses in our own life that we must do for him. So we find in chapter 4, one of the things that maybe your Bible might entitle it, unity in the body of Christ. I called it side by side. And we're going to see in verse 13 until we all reach the unity of the faith. It's about us growing so that there's a unity among the body of Christ, that we are one, that we walk side by side, that we encourage one another, that we make a difference, not by ourselves as individuals, which God will do from time to time, but he wants us to make a difference as the body of Christ. Because the world is watching us. They're seeing how we respond to given situations. They're seeing how we respond to the things of our culture, the things of our world. And if we are not modeling the life of Christ, the world says, what's the difference? But we will learn this morning of what it means to walk side by side until we all reach unity in the faith. Let's listen to God's word. Would you stand with me, please, as we read his word? Ephesians 4, we find these words of the Apostle Paul. And as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one love, one baptism, one God of all, Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, 
When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and became mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will all things grow up to him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that this is your word. That these are words that you have given to us. Father, may we take these words and not just listen to a message, but we will take these words and apply them to our very hearts. Lord, I do thank you for these that are here this morning. For they're saying, Lord, we want to follow you. We want to obey you. We want to do what you have asked us to do. Lord, I just ask your anointing will be upon this assembly this morning as it has through worship. And again, my prayer is that it be less of you and more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe see them. <clears throat> As I said here, Paul is wanting us to, the main purpose is until we all reach the unity of faith. And we see that that became possible when Paul tells us in chapter 2 there that it's because of the cross of Christ, we may find unity among each other. It's not anything that you or I can do, but it's all about what Christ has done through us. And so Paul is saying, okay, let's look at this idea of unity. How can we bring this about? And so as I was looking through this, one of the things that came to my mind, though, was this isn't new with the Apostle Paul. This isn't something that Paul says, we're going to do this because it looks good. But he's going to say, we're going to do this because Christ Jesus prayed about it. Maybe you're familiar with this passage of Scripture. I want to read to you. This is Jesus' prayer. Before he was betrayed, my prayer is not for them alone. Now, he was saying, first he prayed for himself, then he prayed for his disciples who were with him, and now he is saying, I want to pray for all believers. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through this message, that all of them, now catch this, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me 
and they may be one as we are one in them and you and me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And then he said, I have made known to them and will continue to make known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself myself may be in them. We can see here that Jesus' prayer was so that we would be one. And I think the Apostle Paul then is picking that same idea up, says, okay, how, how do we operate? How do we serve? How do we come together to be one, to be one in the body of Christ? We're going to look at some things that uh, I feel that Paul is telling us in the, this passage. In the first, we find in verse 1 there, he said, as a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I looked at the NIV and it said this, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling for which you have seen. Walk. Why, why did I want the word walk? <clears throat> because sometimes I think when we look at even the word live, we know that's a day to day, but walk means we are to do something. We are to be moving. We're not just to stand still, but we're supposed to walk in some direction, some way that God has guided us. So he's telling us to walk in unity. One of the things that as I was thinking about this walking in unity, what does that really mean in our very lives? How do we see that? Well, three things that I I thought of. And it says here, we're, go- we're going to walk in unity being by- called by God, by seen by others, and based on one. And you say, okay, how did you come with this? Look at verse 1. It says, and prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Let me ask you, do you remember when God called you? Do you remember the day when God reached out and said, you're one of mine? I was in seventh grade, and I went to a party that I hadn't even gone to this church yet, but we were invited to say, hey, why don't you come to this party we're having? And I remember it was a backwards party. And he said, well, what's a backwards party? Well, you did everything backwards. You dress backwards, you just all kinds of, and I thought that was fun. Well, I wish I could remember to this day the name of the lady that was leading, who was a Sunday school teacher. But she said, why don't you come to church tomorrow? Come to our Sunday school class. I did. And I never left. Because of a faithful servant of God said to a seventh grade boy, why don't you come to church? God used her to call me. And then God has done many things in my life. We don't have enough time to share that. And the same thing with you. You probably, if I was to ask you how God called you and where you are today, you would say, we don't have enough time today. But you know what? It becomes something that we see in our very lives. It's how we respond to activities and how we respond to events and how we respond to when God says, I need you. You know, when I was thinking about called by God, 
Did Jesus ever force his disciples to follow him? What did he do? He said, come, follow me. Very simple way to bring someone to following. Come, follow me. As we think about that, and Jesus did that with the disciples, we see Paul says, now I want to see that your walk is seen by others. Look what he says here. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So let me ask you that question. Is your walk evident to others? It's something, please understand this morning, when I ask that question, it's not just for you, it's for me. But when people look to us, do they say, he's walking with Jesus? She's walking with Jesus. Is it evident? And Paul tells us, how does it become evident? Well, are we humble? Are you humble? Are you gentle? Are your words, words of kindness, words that help build up but not tear down? Are you patient? I have a hard time with that when I'm driving. <laughs> I bet you do too at times. I still remember one time, I don't know why, but the guy wanted to point the way to Jesus for me, but he used the wrong finger. (laughs) And, And I really don't say that for a laugh, but I said sometimes even for ourselves, when people look to us, what is their response? Are we patient? And then he says, bearing with one another in love. It is so easy to love somebody when they do it your way. But when they choose to do it another way, it is so difficult to love. And he's telling us to bear one another in love. Is it evident? Is it seen? And then he says, based on one, based on what? He tells us here, if you look at this, he says, there is one body and one spirit. And here we go. Just as you were called to one hope, when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It is one. The Jews knew that there is one Lord thy God. There is one God and only one. And then Jesus said to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus didn't say, I am a way. I am the way. It's always based. Our unity is on him. He is the way. And we follow him. But as we think about this unity, 
what is it, what's the next thing expected of us? Paul tells us this. In verses 12 through 13, he says, when he gave the list of the apostles and the prophets and so forth, he says, to prepare God's people for works of service. Works of service. What are we doing? What's our activity? What are the things that are expected of us? And when we think about works of service, I want you to think about what Jesus said. Let your light shine in such a way that they may see your good works. Let your light shine in such a way they may see your good works. For People say, man, you're good? No, but to glorify our Father who is in heaven. As we think about serving in unity... As we think about how do we make this happen, we don't have to do this alone. Because God has given to us through Jesus. I want you to look at these words in verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed us. So as we serve in unity, we're going to look at two things. We are gifted. And we are unique. Now, Paul is saying here to those Ephesians, he's given some offices and some gifts to the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, evangelists, um, and then pastors, teachers. But then we also, we look that these are what? Are they so that we can have these gifts and set them up on a mantle and say, well, look at me, I've got this gift. I'm good. It's not what he's saying. It's so that we can build up the body of Christ. You see, the gifts aren't given for you. Your gifts are given so that you can serve the body of Christ. My gift isn't for me. It's for you. It's for us when we come together. So Paul is saying that we are gifted, and we can go through the scriptures, and we can particularly even look at 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4. Those are listing of gifts. But please note that in the scriptures, we don't have the complete list of gifts. God has provided his church with everything that it needs to make a difference in the lives of people. One of the churches that we attend regularly is Emmanuel Community. Denny Miller is the pastor there. And they are doing a series in the book of Corinthians. And he's speaking about 1 Corinthians 12. And he made a comment that I thought was really unique, too. He says, you know, you have the only gifting combination in the whole world that God has given. In other words, there's no one like you. The unique gifts he's given to you is only done by you. Now, you say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Some are apostles, some are prophets, teachers, and so forth. We see them all the time. Not with the blend that God has given to you. You're special. How does that make you feel this morning, that God has made you special? So God has a particular call on you. No one else can replace you for the body, but God wants you to use your gifts for him. He says we are unique. 
Where did I get that one from? If you look at verse 16, it just says here, From him by the whole body joined together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. As each one does its part. Now you think about this. If you don't do your gifting, if you don't exercise your gift, that means something's going undone. That's how important it is for us to use our gifts. Now, you would say, well, no, teaching can still go on. Gifts of helps can still go on, but not the same way. Only you have that part that God has asked you to do. Now, we can reject it. See, God won't force it on you. You have that choice to make. As God has given me abilities, will I use them for him or will I hold them on for myself? But you're special. Remember that you're special and you can add to the body of Christ. But then he says here in verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Grow. Growing in unity. As we think about what we're supposed to do with our gifts, what are we doing to help grow in unity? It doesn't just happen automatically, people. We have to work at it. We have to be willing to do our part so that we can grow. You know, if we don't grow, atrophy sets in. And when we grow, we think, too, of the body of Christ. You know, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul gives an analogy of the body and how important it is. And as I think even back to unique, I want to apply this to the growing, too, because we're all part of the body of Christ, and we have to make a difference here. But when you think of 1 Corinthians 12 and the body of Christ, do you remember if you think about there with me a little bit, you know, the, the hand can't say to the foot... I have no need of you. The ear can't say to the eye, I have no need of you. He goes all these body comparisons. We can't say we can't, we don't, can't operate as individuals, but we're all part of the body of Christ. But you notice one thing he doesn't say? He doesn't say we're heads, do we? Does he? Who's the head? Jesus is the head. But we are part of the body of Christ. So what does Paul say about when we take this body and we grow in unity? What's he telling us to do here? If you go back here, let me just read to the a couple of verses here. It says, until we reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We, when we grow in unity, we become like Christ. Christ wants us to follow his example. And what did Christ said this, I have no greater love for this than one who lays down his life for his friends. We have the perfect example right there where Christ laid his down his life for us and we are to be the same. He says there's no greater love than this. And then he also says in, in that way, he says there's no greater love than this, that you love one another. 
You know, many times we say, okay, I love Christ. Then the response needs to be, show me. Show me. Because what we need to do is we say we love Christ, but it is evident by the way we love one another. That's how it becomes seen. Not by what we say, those are words, but by what we do in our actions. Love must be evident. It must be seen. That was the second point here, evident by love. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking, okay, what is the ultimate thing that God wants us to understand about love? We could go to 1 Corinthians 13 and we can read those, the love passage. Why did the Apostle Paul write that? You see, in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, he speaks about the gifts and the body of Christ. Chapter 14, he talks about prophesying and speaking in tongues and, and the things that were breaking up the church that was causing problems. But in between there, in between 12 and 14 is 13. And we have the love passage. And if we were to take time this morning to read that, I'm going to challenge you and encourage you to read that this week. 1 Corinthians 13. We find we use those words many times in weddings, but it's for the church. It's for us to know how to love one another, how it's evident in what we do and what we say. He tells us to speak about that and to build each other up. As I was thinking about how has it become evident for us today? It's evident because of the unity that we have. You remember I said probably, I think I mentioned some of it last week too, that it's easy for us to maybe have a unity of spirit in this assembly. Because we've chosen to be here. We like one another, but we're supposed to love one another. But we accept, but when we look out these doors and you look across this city here, Fort Wayne is known as what? City of churches. It would be better if we were known as the city of the church. But we have brought denominational walls and barriers. We have said, okay, I'm, you know, you choose to go this way, I choose to go this way. And that's, you know... I'm not putting down denominationalism. Please, don't hear me say that. But I'm saying, but we have to look at ourselves and say, okay, but are we the body of Christ? In 1983, a song was written, and we're going to be listening to it here in a minute, by Russ Taff. Russ Taff wrote a song called We Will Stand. That song impacted me in 1983, and I had to pause for a little bit. I thought, 83, this is 2018, 35 years ago. 35 years ago, Cindy and I were just a little bit more than that, just gotten into ministry. We went to Bible college. And after Bible college, we're serving in youth ministry. And I remember back then that there was a tendency of we're the church with all the answers. We're the church that is different from that one down the street. But I had a pastor of my first church who did not go to Bible college. He was raised Catholic. 
accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, was a deacon, an elder, and eventually became the pastor of this church that Cindy and I were first called to. And I remember him saying, you know, that we have to realize that as we think about the body of Christ, because we were in the Christian church, the Christian church, that there's a tendency of saying we have all the answers. But then he said, you know what? Right across the street of the Baptists, they love Jesus too. We might not agree totally of everything, but here's where we must agree and we cannot compromise. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, I desire to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The foundation must be on Jesus. We don't waver from that. But Jesus is the one who sacrificed his life so that you and I could be forgiven and have the hope of eternity. From that point on, I started looking at others and I started fellowshipping and I said, you know what? I don't have all the answers, but the Bible does. But I'm going to look at other denominations and other places as long as we can build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, I can begin there. Will I agree with everything? Probably not. There's probably some things you wouldn't agree with me and I wouldn't agree with you, but that's okay. We agree about Jesus. And that's what's so important. But this song became like my, a banner song. I haven't listened to it in a while. But then when I brought it up again, I said, wow, this sums it all for me. And that's where I got the title of my sermon, Side by Side. But what I want to challenge you right now, though, I want you, you're going to just see the screen up there, and there's a person at the cross. The words will be up there for you. The music will be played. And we're good. Think we're good? We're going to give a chance. Okay? But focus on the cross. Focus on the cross. Listen to the words. And maybe, maybe you might find yourself in your heart singing the words. If you want to sing with it, that's fine too. But listen to it. And see, see how it applies to what Paul is calling us. To have a unity of one. Together. As we will work. And we will serve side by side. Would you play it please? Walking. 
you can see why that song has such a powerful part of my life because we see everything that I've spoken about this morning that we will walk we will work we will be side by side with one another and when we do that then the world will say God dwells in that place Concluding with this, with Paul's words, verse 16, according to the message, we take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love when we walk side by side and love one another, God gets the glory. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. And again, I thank you for this opportunity. And Lord, we want you to get the greater glory. We thank you for allowing us to be the body of Christ this morning too. And not only in this assembly, but as we go out of this place. Lord, use us. Use us for your greater good. Use us so that the world will not see us, but see Jesus. For we know, Father, when they come to you, you bring life. You bring hope. You give us the reason to live. In your name we pray. Amen.